to Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey guys, welcome to Soundtrack. This is not your host, but I am here with your host, Kyle Lichty. My name is Mark Carey, friends with Kyle Lichty, and he is going to give us a little bit of his soundtrack today. So I am going to start out and I'm going to kick it to Kyle. And I would like to hear a little bit more about Kyle Lichty because we all get to hear too much about other people (laughs) and not enough about him. Kyle, tell us about yourself. I was born and raised in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I lived in technically Fort Wayne, but it's like in the middle of a cornfield. Like You would think it was super rural. Like if you just landed right where my house was, where I grew up. But it was super close to Fort Wayne, but right next to an Amish community as well. I don't know that most people think of Fort Wayne as like an urban space. So that doesn't surprise me at all. But for people who view Fort Wayne as like an urban center, it it might. It's odd because like it's actually the second largest city in Indiana. Um, Which again, it's Indiana. So there's just part like this. But Indianapolis is a top 10 city in America in terms of population. So there are more people that live in Fort Wayne than Grand Rapids, but you would think Grand Rapids is bigger. Most people would think that. Yeah. But that's the case if you add like the suburbs. Right. So compared to Fort Wayne. But, you know, one of the things that a lot of people will say was there wasn't a lot to do. And there's some truth to that. And and looking back, like there were some things you could do that would have been fun growing up. Even at a young age, there was, I think, this like desire to leave. My parents weren't exactly the vacation type. I mean, I remember at the age of eight, like memorizing capitals of countries and looking at pictures of other continents, like just super fascinated, wanting to travel as a kid. And wanting to get out because like at times I didn't feel like I fit in either, whether it was at school or church or the things that I was involved in. And Fort Wayne's interesting in that it's home, but that's like. But, but you kind of always wanted to get away a little yeah. bit. Let's fast forward because we're getting a little bit of background on Kyle here. You just told me that you always kind of wanted to get away. That's a little bit of a small town common thing. Even Fort Wayne's not small. That's fine. But you had a small town vibe to you. There was a little bit of like people stay here. This is a place where people don't get away from that sort of thing. You're a social studies teacher. Mm -hmm. Like that process, it sounds like started like when you were a kid. Yeah. Memorizing states. Also, that's a little bit of who Kyle is because you also memorize lots of other things and collect things. Can you can you talk about those two things, the social studies stuff, but also sort of your penchant for collecting or organizing stuff and things? Even outside of music, I would organize facts and, and details of, of things that I was passionate about. So whether it was history or geography related to even animals, I loved going to the zoo and learning about animals as a kid. Take music. Like when I had CDs and you have that big, you know, CD bookcase. Yep. Alphabetize it. That was me. (laughs) So alphabet, not colors. No. Okay. Yeah. Alphabet. And I still organize 
music even today, just the way my iTunes is set up and my Spotify, I've got things in place. Like this is how it is. Nice. So, okay. So let's go back. Cause we were talking about your childhood in Fort Wayne Yeah. and you have some memories with your family as, as a toddler. Can yeah. you go back to those and, and talk about those a little bit? My mom, my dad were both heavily involved in music in different ways. My dad was a trumpet player. He's been playing it for decades now. He played in the orchestra at church and, you know, we would hear him practicing in the basement all the time growing up. I feel like I still have an appreciation for brass in any type of music because of my dad. But my mom more so by what was playing in the car or on the radio. So for example, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith were like staples. Classic. Yeah. She, you know, very heavy inf influence with CCM, whatever was on the Christian radio. I, I just remember jamming out to Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith as a kid. How do you feel about that today? I used to be embarrassed by that because I thought it was cheesy, but also let's be real. It is actually still cheesy because it's got that early nineties, like R and B that you would think like a Yamaha, like piano is making all of the music. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think it's, a, that's an interesting take on some of that old stuff because I think that there are a lot of people, including myself who are somewhat angsty about their history with Christian music in particular. And you seem to have a little bit more maybe of an appreciation. Maybe you're just older and wiser than everybody else. I was embarrassed. And I think angsty would be another word of how I kind of felt about Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith. But I think in some way, it's a chapter in my life. And even though I wouldn't put that on my kids or anybody else necessarily, it's still something that. I, I actually will occasionally still listen to like Baby Baby from Amy Grant. <laughs> there's some but, nostalgia there. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like there's still great memories with my mom. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the Christian radio stuff and some of the CCM stuff. You talked about Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, some of the classics, but you took a little bit, you started to stray into rock and roll. Cause I don't know that I would call Amy Grant rock and roll. That's kind of more pop. Michael W. Smith probably bordered on being called rock and roll at some point, but he had some rock and songs, but it's still Christian music, right? Yeah. Tell what's, me about the bands that. What's interesting too, we forgot to mention with Amy and, and Michael is they had hot 100 songs that were able to transition to like pop radio. Yeah. Like crossover. Yeah. yeah they were crossover artists. And so, he had a bit of a falling out with yeah. the CCM world, right? Yeah. Sad. Whereas I've never I heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I think Michael kind of recognized what was happening and then he shifted to where he's still in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I would have been in like third or fourth grade. Do you remember the, it wasn't now, but it was like the similar, the Christian, it was like yeah. a Christian. I think, it was, I think it was, wow. wow. And because of course, <laughs> I think what happened was, I think like Michael W. Smith was actually on that list or like a Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yep. And it was a VHS of the music videos. Wow. And those have got to be interesting. Yeah. So 
somehow I, I think either I saved up enough money or I convinced my mom to, to pay for it. I was watching that. And on that, I remember Audio Adrenaline, Newsboys, DC Talk, Switchfoot, Delirious, like all of these male bands, mind you, really stood out to me. I was a part of a church where secular music was a no-no. And here you're seeing bands that slightly resembled some of the the stuff that I was hearing about my friends talking about MTV. Right, but that you weren't allowed to listen to those other yeah. versions. But they're talking about God, Jesus, or you know, yeah. heaven, or anything slightly Christian even. Yeah. And I just is, ate that up. Yeah, is there a song... Or an album that sticks out to you from any of those bands? Underdog, Audio Adrenaline, the album cover. There's like a little kid like showing off his yeah, he's showing off his bicep. Yeah, and the album name is called Underdog. There was a song called Get Down. I just resonated with that. Okay, because I felt like I was an underdog as a kid. How so? Oh, I <laughs> I got made fun of. Okay, I I had glasses. I was the shortest kid in my grade, but I think. Part of it too, looking back, one of the the best things my mom taught me was to respect other people. Mm-hmm. Like that's a value that I've learned from her. And so I'd see somebody else getting picked on or being made fun of, and I'd stand up for that. Yeah. So like injustice is something that bugs me yeah. tremendously because of, I think, my what my mom taught me. Yeah. I was going to make that segue. If you didn't, I think there's a, yeah, I mean, it's crazy how how far back that stuff can go. And if you don't think about it and say it out loud, sometimes you forget that stuff. Yeah. This is one of the things that Kyle and I have connected on his passion for social justice stuff and that sort of thing. And I had similar stuff that was early on in my life, standing up for somebody who was getting bullied, whatever it was. I didn't know why I was doing it. Maybe it was listening to Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith. (laughs) Maybe it was listening to Audio Adrenaline. I don't know. I remember I got made fun of for just listening to Christian music, even though I was in a school where I guarantee you most of my classmates went to a Christian church. Yeah. You're still getting made fun of. Yeah. What, where I was getting at, I think was because I would stand up or if somebody would make fun of me, I'd easily get agitated. Okay. I get riled up easily. And you know, that's, and so like if you're a kid, you love seeing that. Oh, we know Kyle is going to get upset if we make fun of him. Let's poke his, Poke the bear. Yeah. See if we can rile them up. Yeah. It's entertainment. Yeah. So do you feel like that music helped you or hurt you in terms of that? Or just was neutral? Was it just a way of connecting to some injustices and that sort of thing? Or do you feel like it went one way or the other? I think right now that song or those artists I wouldn't resonate with today. But eight-year-old Kyle needed that. At that time. And Just I think when somebody else was in your corner. Yeah. Or... I needed to know that like, it's okay to be an underdog. Yeah. It's okay to be different. Yeah. Eight year old Kyle needed those songs. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily because of like my faith or anything specific with like connecting with Jesus or anything like that. But it was just being able to process, I think the emotions of what I was dealing with yeah. as a kid being made fun of or just even like I struggled in school too 
and there, there's possible reasons for that. Like I, I had trouble hearing when I was young. So my speech was behind compared to right. my, my peers. I just did not know that. Yeah. And this is like the things that you re- recognize as like a teacher yeah. as an adult, like right. when you're going to school for it, when you realize, Oh, this was why I probably was behind my peers. Like why I struggled in school. Yeah. Creates a little bit of empathy in you for your students. Yeah. And, and that, that sort of thing. I want to know, I, I was a Reliant K fan for a while. I think I saw him live at the Delta Plex with Switchfoot and some of that music in sort of the preteen teenage years. Yeah. So you have to remember like DC talk broke up, so they weren't really doing much. Audio adrenaline and newsboys were still going, but they were going more in a, like a worship route. It wasn't like delirious worship. It like, it wasn't at that level. Right. So I wasn't really digging what do you it. mean it wasn't at that level? Like it, it was delirious it, level worship. It too. was like Chris Tomlin. Okay. They were doing like your typical church worship okay. songs. Sure. And that didn't exactly gel with me. Okay. Like delirious was on another level that I just loved. Okay. So I was kind of in a place where I think I was ready for some new music. Yep. And my brother actually got into Reliant K. Okay. I remember him buying those albums and then we would, you know, play it in the car in his room and just loved it because there was, there was humor to it. Yeah. What Sadie's was there, what Sadie was, Hawkins dance. Yeah. Like, and the one, the one album was like two wrongs don't make a right, but three, three. laughs do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But isn't that like that time and era, like, you know, fallout boy and, yeah. Taking Back Sunday, like Panic at the Disco, all of those bands would have like these song titles right, like they're, that were they're very, very clever. Very yeah. clever. Reliant K was a crossover type yeah, as well. They had, a, they had a pretty big following outside of Christian music. And a lot of that I think was because they wrote a lot about themes and emotions and stuff like that without explicitly referencing God or salvation or anything like that within every song. So right. there were songs that were available to the masses. Switchfoot was doing that yeah, at that time too. Yeah. What's interesting is I think with like Switchfoot, that happened right when the Iraq war was going down and there was some elements in their songs that weren't explicitly anti-war, but just more of like, kind of like what POD's Youth of a Nation was mm-hmm. and Linkin Park, just with all of those tragedies that were happening yep. there in the early aughts. Recognizing that that was having an influence on the youth, on the youth, yeah, the kids aren't all right. It's got a little bit of uh, Pink Floyd influence in there, just like connecting with the youth and what they're going through with these major tragedies. Even like Columbine and all of that, and I even had personally, I, I didn't know him, but we had a student that killed himself at our high school. Seeing how it affected kids that knew him. Our high school, so it was both a middle and high school joined building. And we had, in my six years there, we had like five, six kids die. That's heavy stuff. Yeah. Our class especially dealt with a lot. Actually, I had a really good friend that died. Okay. When I was, it was a week before 9-11, too. What happened? So he had heart issues. And he just passed away in the middle of the night. That's heavy. Yeah. No reason. Like nothing 
Yeah. Some things just happen. Yeah. Well, what did you do with that? Like how you're a teenager at that point. How yeah. old were you? 11. Okay. So not even, not even teenager. Pre-team really. Yep. Is there anything from your soundtrack that like resonates during that time for you? That was like a, a way of kind of getting over that or processing it or just making you think a little more deeply about. Well, I think the opposite happened. It was more of given how I was taught faith wise, as well as my family, it was more of, we don't talk about that. Okay. So, which was hard to do. I, I like to not process. It. Yeah. To not talk about it. Right. Like I needed, I should have talked about it. Yeah. But I think if like there was a song that reminds me of him, it was actually like, if I remember correctly, it was one of his favorites. Okay. It was Newsboys Shine. And a big part of that is because he had like the biggest smile. Okay. And so he kind of, he not kind of, he did reflect like the emphasis of that song. He was a friend to everybody. I, I think everybody in our grade, they would have told you like he was my friend. Yeah. He was the running back. He didn't exactly fit the bill of what you would have thought he would be. Right. He was a friend to everybody. And like, I remember when we found out somewhere around a hundred kids went to the library to process it and like to grieve. Right. And kids just crying. One kid, for example, I could say like, he's never would have thought he would have cried in his life and he's bawling. That's really young to start processing yeah. your own mortality or that sort of thing. Like 11 years old, you're supposed to still think you're invincible. Oh yeah. I mean, it just still boggles my mind. Yeah. So that's heavy stuff, dude. Yeah. So something happened when you were 14 years old. Yeah. I remember this like still to this day, I had a missions trip that I was going to do to New York city with my youth group. And I remember going to the library the night before with my family. Okay. And I was looking for music. Well, so specifically this library, it was arranged alphabetically because it was a small enough library that it wasn't enough. Perfect seat. for Kyle. Lick. Yeah. <laughs> Organized alphabetically. <laughs> How does Kyle look not a librarian folks? <laughs> Cause he likes loud music. Yeah. You can't have that in a library otherwise. So things weren't broken up by genre. Like if they were at most libraries in the, the county that I lived in. So I was, you know, going, starting with a and working my way to see if there was any music that I could listen to yeah. for this trip. I get to the use. Okay. And I see U2's how to dismantle an atomic bomb. And it's, it's a very, it's just a cool looking picture. I don't know if you've, I actually don't know what that album cover looks like. Okay. And it can't be what like for U2 fans, there's no way that that is the album that most U2 fans discovered no. their U2 no. fandom on. That no. makes you unique. Continue. And then, I mean, the name, well, how do you dismantle atomic bomb? Yeah. <laughs> so mind you too, I'd heard through a couple people like about U2, there's, there's a cool band. And during that time, you actually had the iPod commercials was U2's Vertigo. Oh, okay. And that's on that album. 
Yep. So I, me- I remember like, oh, this is kind of cool. And looking through the track list and the last track said Yahweh, which, which means God yep. in Hebrew. And I'm like taken aback. Like what? what? These what is guys are secular. Yeah. They don't know stuff about God. Yeah. So I was like immediately intrigued. What is this about? And so I covertly checked it out without anybody family-wise seeing it. You little rebel. Yeah. And I listened to that album like crazy during the trip. On this trip to New York. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Even though it's not about New York, there's a song called City of Blinding Lights. That's actually about Paris. But it just had that like New York vibe to it. Sure. And I just fell in love with the album. And then on top of that, another person on the trip, they had an, a U2 album. A CD. Yeah. At the time, a CD. So you had you were listening to all this on, a, on like your Discman. Yeah. So did I, you have earbuds or did you have over-ear headphones? Over the ear. Okay. And so I'd listened to that other album, All That You Can't Leave Behind, that has Beautiful Day on it. Okay. And I just, my goodness. And what's interesting, too, is with you 2 there are so many biblical references in the songs. I was going to ask about that. Like how, how did that play into your, cause like you did this rebellious thing and, and checked out a CD from the library. (laughs) You're such a nerd. You rebelliously checked out a CD from the library that was very well organized. And somehow you made it from a to U. You actually made it to the U's going alphabetically. I'm already (laughs) impressed uh, with your stick to itiveness. This tells you a lot about Kyle. Yeah. Hannah's recognized that a lot lately. What? With like if I'm focused in on something, you're gonna go through this. I'm going to stick to it till I finish it. Okay. And that's that's a lickety thing, I've been told. But to answer your question, if someone were to ask, like my mom or dad, yep. like, no, they're talking about God. Yeah. He's quoting about like in Beautiful Day, he talks about the dove and the ark. Yeah. And I'm like, he's talking about Noah's Ark. If that were to come up and it just, and the same thing with like Yahweh, like he's talking about God. Right. And it would make sense to them. And I felt like. You're like, I'm listening to worship music. Yeah. yeah. Back off. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is at that time. So I get back from New York and I check out like all the U2 albums. (laughs) Okay. So now that you're being even more rebellious when you're listening to your pseudo Christian rock music, did you ever get caught? Or get in any trouble. And I'm not trying no. to like throw your parents under yeah, the bus yeah. here or anything like that. This is, about, this is about Kyle. But like, was there ever a point in there where you actually got in any sort of trouble for listening to this music? So I got found out, but I explained like what I just said. Okay. Here they're talking about Jesus or they're talking about God. Yeah. And they were okay with it. How much do you know about Bono's faith? So this is, I think, what... Another thing that happened at this time as a 14 year old is I started having doubts about my faith. Okay. The idea of hell and heaven as a 13, 14 year old, I really struggled with. Why do you think that is? Because, and it's funny to think back as a 32 year old to this because now I know why, but like, I think the struggle was trying to understand how a loving God would be okay with people going to hell. Okay. And I think also struggling with even like biblical text on those topics. So, because there's not the 
Bible barely ever talks about hell. Right. And then when it talks about heaven, it's not in the sense of like how you and I were taught about it. Trying to make sense of it. Trying so you were to, like pretty heavy in the text of scripture yeah. at the time yeah. as a 14 year old. Was this like church stuff or? One of the things that happened at that time was I was a part of a youth group. We went through a church split where we had a lot of really bad stuff happen, okay. to put it lightly. So there were like 30 of us teens, a part of this church of like 2,000 that mm -hmm. went to 1,000 probably, if I had to guess. So like half of my friends I've never still seen. Just gone. Yeah, because of the split. We get a new youth pastor, and we go from 30 to 300 in like three months. What? That's like some serious marketing. Like, how do you even pull that off? The youth pastor was super charismatic. Okay. Somebody that I think we all felt like he believed in us. Okay. So you were like recruiting your friends. Yeah. To youth group. Yeah. And so were all of our, the other like 30 kids in the youth group. Yeah. Serious exponential growth. Well, so for Bono, what's interesting, but he's Irish. So if you know anything about the history of Ireland, you have two religions on one island. So you have a Catholic presence of like the native Irish, and then you have the Protestant presence of British that moved to Ireland okay. over centuries. And for multiple reasons, you know, colonialism to capitalism, you have this suppression of Irish Catholics for centuries. Mm -hmm. And so over time, these two sides hate each other. And the dividing line is religion. And so what's interesting for Bono, he's growing up during the Troubles. So like at the height of the violence between these two sides. I think it's important to recognize Bono's parents. So his mom was Protestant. And then his dad was Catholic. And this is, during the Troubles, this is uncommon for two people to get married. Where one was Protestant and one is Catholic. And I think Bono was able to see both sides because of his parents. I think the futility of both sides as well, mm -hmm. what they're trying to achieve. Right. And... He has his own doubts and he has his own issues with the church and he's expressing that in the songs. Okay. You know, I was dealing with those doubts and those issues and just really connecting with that okay. myself. Yeah. And then I was learning things too. Like he was talking about apartheid. I didn't know about that. What was going on in South Africa back in the eighties. Yeah. Well, technically actually from the forties to the 90s. 90s yeah but the 80s was when he was singing it about it right and talking about like issues in Sarajevo during the Bosnian Serbian wars and all of these things that I thought I knew even as like a history nerd right and even questioning the church like I had questioning these emphasis of things like particular issues the church stands by that don't make sense sometimes. Okay. And I just really connected with that as a teen. You were, you were rethinking your faith 
you were rethinking the world history, the history of the world. Yeah. Touching on all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, quite frankly, it's no wonder that you're a social studies guy. Yeah. Like that, like I haven't necessarily known where that passion has come from because most people don't find a passion for history from their history class, their right. sophomore year of high school or whatever. But no, I think that that's really, really intriguing. Is there, is there one album and we mentioned the album, but is there one song by you two that hits home for you the hardest when it comes to some of the injustice stuff, relearning the history, some of the faith stuff that you've talked about? Like, what's a song that people should listen to? I think Sunday Bloody Sunday okay. stands out to me. So, I mean, there's differing sides, right? Even within each of the Catholic and the Protestant sides. Like, they're, even to this day, different political parties. Like factions within yeah. factions. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you, you can break it down to the Catholics and Protestants, and then there are factions within those parties. Right. But he calls out all sides on this um, matter of the troubles in Sunday Bloody Sunday. Okay. And then the climax of talking about how you're making it about the other side when the, the point is to claim the victory that Jesus won on Ooh, the cross. Yeah. That album, he, you know, he's talking about New Year's Day, which is actually about the Polish solidarity movement mm -hmm. that took place during that time in the 80s. And calling out the reason for wars is for gold. Right. But, Just like tying to capitalism. Yeah. Right. Yes. So in recent versions of singing New Year's Day, he'll use oil instead of gold mm. in live versions. Okay. It was just eye opening to see it. It was the beginning of not only my deconstruction of my faith, but the deconstruction of my view of America. Which is interesting because those tend to go together. Yeah. I think they definitely do go together. They have to, right? Yeah. It's, it's empire. So I was a Coldplay fan. I was a big fan of Parachutes. Yeah. Uh, and that album. Big fan of Russia Blood to the Head. And then when I felt like Chris Martin wanted to become Bono, <laughs> that was actually kind of when I stopped liking Coldplay. <laughs> but I don't know why. That, I don't know why they did that to me, but can you talk about the connection between Coldplay and U2 and whether there was a connection there for you stylistically or topically or anything like that? Yeah. Talk to me about your love for Coldplay. I think my friend Jeff in high school or Brennan were the ones that got me into Coldplay. What album? X and Y. Okay. That was a big break for like in terms of what they were doing stylistically. Is that really where they kind of went? I feel like they went stadium rock where they yeah. really were not. Yeah, it's a lot more electrical, right? electronic, actually, I would argue. But Viva La Vida was probably more arena yeah, in a way, which was their next album. Yep. There are definitely similarities between like a Chris Martin and a Bono in terms of having like that Messiah kind of complex that they have, uh, which does bother me at times since. I think the, yeah, like the question maybe for me is like whether they use that for good or not. Right? It's like you can think you can be a little bit of a megalomaniac or a narcissist, but yeah. you can do good stuff with it, right? Yeah. Well, and I, th I mean, like I look at what Bono has done with his one campaign where the emphasis is on providing HIV AIDS medication to people in Africa. And it's astonishing the stats on that from when that was implemented to now. Yeah. It's still an issue. Yeah. But they have mediated the, the problem tremendously. 
Yeah. And it's not just HIV AIDS. It's also malaria or giving, you know, grants or providing local people with opportunities in those countries yeah. in Africa. Yeah. And I think you've, unfortunately you also see an exploitation still on that continent from various different players, whether it's corporations or even countries, because it's such a resource heavy continent that's untapped. Do you feel like your love of Coldplay and your love of you too, was directly related to some of the social stuff that those guys were doing? Were you willing to adapt to the musical changes that they made and still like them? because of you kind of knew who they were and what they were about or do you feel like you just love the music and it, you just happened to pick the band who also had some social justice stuff i think it was a mix of both the fact that it was good music but then also there was a social justice element to both of them i mean because yeah. even like with chris martin he would talk about fair trade back in the yep. the x and y days yep. that makes perfect sense like yeah. that should be the case There'd be other things too. Yeah. It's cool that you have like a such social justice element, but I also need to like your song. If your song sucks, I don't yeah. really care. There's other people doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of your other influences? Take me through your teen years a little bit and talk to me about some of the other influences that you had yeah. during that time. I went on a Cedar Point trip and somebody put on Red Hot Chili Peppers. Would they play Roller Coaster? No. Oh. It was the Stadium Arcadium. So that double album that had just come out in like 2006. And I don't remember why I liked it so much because it was, if you know Red Hot Chili Peppers, it's not clean. It's not appropriate from like a Christian perspective. I think they had tamed down a lot of that like when I first experienced them. But that Stadium Arcadium album is explicitly talking about heroin and sex the song charlie which i love now because my niece's name is charlie and so i like charlie yeah but it's another name for heroin so i i really was digging into them there's another band emo band called copeland that my cousin got me into okay they were like a part of that like tooth and nail they were raised christian had that background but they're talking about relationships or whatever issues emotionally they were dealing with. Yeah. And uh, I was loving that. There was another band. So I was big into watching late night TV at this time. Okay. So like Conan O'Brien, David Letterman. Yep. So I was watching one night, David Letterman, but I saw a musical guest was called mute math. Yeah. And I'd heard that name from some other friend that was like raving about them. And I still remember in my room at like 1225 watching Mute Math math. play Typical. And I was blown away, just absolutely stunned by what I was watching. By a Letterman performance. Yeah. That's impressive. So one of the cool things that the Darren King, the drummer, does is he'll put his headphones on and Mm -hmm. then he'll duct tape his head because he goes crazy. Like he's So his headphones don't fall off? Yes. Because they would if he didn't. That's hilarious. That's how like intense he is as a drummer. So an immediate blown away sense that I bought their album the next day. Okay. Which I had never done. Yeah. Where'd you buy it? I think I found it at Target. Okay. <laughs> You've got, so just, this is like a clear picture of Kyle Lichty a little bit. I've, I have a list of like 
400 bands that we need to talk about. So you guys are going to be here for a while. Settle in for a little bit. No, we won't do that. We'll try to pick and choose a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about your love of film scores and where that comes from. Yeah. So I had a teacher my senior year, Mr. Arthur Holtz. I had him for a couple different classes, but I had him for like a mass media class, just needed to fill in an elective and absolutely loved it. We learned about how to create sound that would go to Cool Hand Luke. We like would reenact the sounds that were made during that. And it okay. was like, that's one example of like what we did in that class. And it was just really, I try to reproduce the sounds yeah. because they're not actually like, yeah. Like, so somebody, somebody would act like somebody in the face sound. Yeah. So like somebody would act like they were shuffling their feet. Somebody okay. would be the bird in the background. Yeah. Just, just cool. Like to experience what it takes to make a film. Yeah. And I remember, so Mr. Arthur Holtz, we were talking about movies and he gave me a movie called Citizen Kane, which is a classic, but it's often viewed as the greatest film of all time. Right. So I saw it and I was it's like, this is a good movie, but didn't understand why it was so good at the time. Now I know for various different reasons, but it didn't win Best Picture either the year that it got. What did? I think it was How Green Is My Valley. Okay. So with that, I want to see other films that got nominated for Best Picture. Because you wanted to see why this didn't win. Yeah. And so what happened... I began a process that took about five years to watch every single film that ever was nominated for best picture. That's impressive. So it took you five years to catch up. Yeah. And now you just stay on top of it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So in that process, I was watching a lot of films mm -hmm. and connecting with the scores. So for example, Hans Zimmer, I really like even to the, like to this day, gladiator, he did Inception. So just like these films that were really, in terms of the music, I was just enjoying. Yeah. In college, I would write papers to that music as well. It was super helpful. And if you were to pull up a song from one of those films, I can like, in my head, I can trace it back to what scene it What's is. What's happening. Yeah. In that. Yeah. So like Hans Zimmer, James Horner, Thomas Newman, just to name a few. Were yeah some faves of mine during yep. that. Yeah. That, that's like your love of music and your love of film getting smashed yeah. together. And I can see why that would be perfect for you. Cause a lot of people like, I can't just, I love the Lord of the Rings and there are parts of the scores to like those movies that I absolutely love, but I don't just put it on and listen to it. Yeah. Normally. Mm -hmm. I don't normally put it on much anymore now, but if I, need to concentrate. Yeah. And get something done. That's, yeah. That's one of your, one of your safe places or whatever. Right. Do you have a band that if you're stressed or if you need to just zone out and get out of your brain a little bit, get out of your head that you put on, who's your go-to depends on the situation. Yeah, I think so. If there was an issue with a, like a relationship, 1975. Okay. If it's more struggling with something, whether emotionally or mentally, you too would be helpful. Okay. Sometimes it's, it's maybe it's just, I know what the song I need to listen to. It's like, 
Yeah. So it could be specific to a song. You're like this yeah. one. I either need to dive deeper into this feeling or I need to escape it. Yeah. And you just pick the song. You mentioned you brought up relationship stuff. This, this is always touchy stuff. But you've talked through a lot of your teenage years yeah. in the music that you like. And that's not really a thing that has come up a lot. Is there a point at which some of your music starts to get tied to relationship stuff a little bit more? Or was there, talk about that a little bit. I think it's important to mention that growing up, I lived in a, a part of like a church culture that was purity culture. So much to the point that it was also, you shouldn't be dating until like you're an adult. And I don't agree with this anymore, but you'd hear lines like dating is like practicing divorce. Whoa. Yeah. And so I didn't date. I didn't have, you know, dating relationship until my senior year. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Was there, because you were listening to a lot of Christian music at the time, but the same culture that has sort of produced like purity culture yeah has also i think historically kind of been a little bit anti some of the like just rock and roll music and stuff like that but you were kind of more into some rock yeah. christian music that might not have jived with some of that culture but was there music that you were listening to that kept you in that headspace not until and now we're kind of jumping to detroit not until then okay did it let's uh, go there yeah so after high school i moved to detroit and that was being a part of a church at that time. You moved yeah. because you were a part of a church. Yeah. Okay. So in that, I, I had multiple friends that I already knew that were a part of this church in Detroit and that were all from Fort Wayne. What, how'd you move to Detroit from Fort Wayne for a church? Like what is the context in which that happens? Looking back now, I, I realized this, I was trying to, get back to the Kyle before he was doubting. So like, was there a person or people who talked you into, Hey, you should move to Detroit to do this church thing. The youth pastor that I mentioned that was charismatic. He yep. actually planted a church there. Okay. And so that was, so there's some the connection, were, of, yeah. you know, and, and I knew so many people that were a part of it as well. Okay. And I would visit every summer yeah. during high school to be a part of that. Okay. And, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. Yeah. So you were going to go, I mean, did you want to become a youth pastor at all? Or were you just wanted to go be a part of this church? At times I thought about that, but I knew I just like needed to be a part of that. Okay. Interesting. All right. So take us to Detroit. You're in Detroit. Yeah. I, so my friends there, Zach, for example, he was a huge influence in my time there because he, not only he lived there, but he was listening to stuff that I never heard of that was so intriguing. So like Sufjan Stevens, Amberlynn, mm -hmm. Sleeping at Last, Me Without You. Yeah. And I mean, like Me Without You, whoa. It still boggles my mind that I love that because it just doesn't necessarily fit. It doesn't fit your, yeah. into my, like my YouTube Coldplay right. love. Right. What do you think you liked about it? The passion. Okay. I saw them live too. And that helps. Was just blown away. Describe me with that. Cause there's probably going to be yeah, a yeah, few yeah. listeners who don't know what that is. So, I mean, me without you kind of like post hard rock. So it's not, it's not screamo, but there's but like, like kind of wants to be yeah, a little bit, right? But like mix in like spoken word into that yep. too. 
with heavy, heavy instruments that also very spiritual. Yeah. There's a pretty heavy influence even within that whole genre because that that was some solid state or tooth and nail. Yeah, they were tooth and nail as well, as yep. well right? Yep. Under Oath is another one that they're definitely into like the, the screamo, but they they were a crossover band. In yeah. That, in that genre, right? Yeah. And oh, people yeah. people were cool with Christians screaming Jesusy stuff. Apparently, yeah. Sufjan Stevens is a weirdo. Can you talk about you how like he, he's a Northern Michigan weirdo, kind of some Christiany stuff? Yeah. Well, he he was actually born in Detroit which okay. was even kind of cool living in Detroit. But like, so yeah, he grew up in Petoskey, I believe, yep. and then went to Interlochen for yep. school yep. and then went to Holland for college. Yeah. So talk about not fitting in. Yeah. Because there's no way that dude fits in. No. With any of those groups of No. People. But he's super talented. Yeah. And the Illinois album, the one with Chicago, mm-hmm. had that, just crossover appeal, I think, for a lot of people to embrace the the folkier side of him yeah. and the more electronic side to him as yeah. well. And it was very Detroit. Like it just Detroit in 2007, 2008 had that weird vibe of the music scene. And there's other like Detroit bands that I was listening to, like Daystro, that's a super electronic band, and The Great Fiction which is more of like a Coldplay Radiohead okay. type of band. And I loved it. Yeah. Sufjan, man, maybe get my weird side out. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but even with Sufjan, he grew up in a, like he had Christian influence. And so there was that connection yeah. as so, well. Yeah. You mentioned the deconstruction thing. What role did music play? And the answer I realized is probably complex, but what oh, role yeah. did music play in your process of deconstruction? And have you ever reconstructed your faith? I did, but I feel like it deconstructed it a second time. I mentioned the sleeping at last. There are questions of doubt in his songs. And you too, I think, became even more in focus with Mm -hmm. that as well as other artists. I also had some things happen in Detroit that made me realize it's not actually how it seems. Okay. I think that had more to play with it than just music. Okay. But the music definitely. Yeah, like life things or church things happen? Both. Okay. Yeah. Some really questionable decisions. Okay. That were not just done to me, but other people okay. that were a part of the church that I was at. Toxic, not okay. Yeah. Just. So it's a per- perfect storm as you were, you were having all these influences come in your direction and opportunities to listen to new bands and all that sort of stuff. And at the same time, you were sort of experiencing stuff that might push you away. Yeah. We have not touched on this band yet. And that blows my mind a little bit. <laughs> and I will make fun of you till the end of forever. About Third Eye Blind? Yeah. <laughs> Where does Third Eye Blind fall in here? How is this not like your favorite band from when you were three? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> we had one disagreement. Like... Okay. Eight if, years ago. How high up on your list of favorite bands is Third Eye Blind? Not even in the top 40. Oh, for real? No. All right. So after a couple things that happened when I was in Detroit, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I can, I'm going to do whatever I want and listen to whatever I want, and it's okay. Yeah. You're like, free, like, that's, freedom. like that's where I was at with 
I don't need to be held back on certain things. Okay. So one of those, if for whatever reason, I really got into alternative music, like or bands that are classified as alternative. Sure. You know, it's just a it's a label, yeah. right? It's a helpful marker. Yep. So bands like Third Eye Blind, The Killers, Oasis, I was resonating with. Paper Route is another one mm-hmm. because there was a lot of relational elements to those songs that I was connecting with because I just had some fallouts with some relationships during that time as well. I just fell in love with alternative music and I was delving into all sorts of stuff. So were you? It would have been 2021. Okay. So like smashing pumpkins, going even more with red hot chili peppers, falling in love with these bands and finally allowing myself to go to shows. So I'm seeing Young the Giant. I'm seeing Foster the People. So huge bands yeah. 10 years ago Yeah. in terms of where they were at and loving shows. That was your life. Yeah. For, I remember that so, period of time. It's rem- kind of still your life, yeah. let's be honest. I remember seeing Me Without You on July 4th and then the next day watching Paper Route mm-hmm. and just – blown away by these acts and i have to go to more shows yeah where were you how did this because you're, you're 20 21 yeah so you're like technically post-teenager but be real this is adolescence still for, yeah. for most of us right we, that's sort of extended into our mid-20s for most people now because this is like alternative music and even some of the like the, breaking down your faith a little bit and challenging some of your relationship ideas and that kind of stuff is that's like the height of adolescence. Like it's rebellious yeah, in some ways, but it's like finding your freedom too. Mm -hmm. When I think too, kind of going back to like what we talked about with audio adrenaline, like it was different. It wasn't what was popular. It wasn't what was thought of as cool necessarily. Right. Some of those songs, a lot of people liked pumped up kicks, for example, like that was a hit all across the board. Yeah. But there was that rebellious, like different side yep. that was presented to me about the killers, yeah. about Third Eye Blind. So were you finding a niche or a group of people at the same time that you were connecting with while you were discovering these bands and moving into that new territory for you? I mean, you were connected with the church. Yeah. I was more so connecting with soccer friends okay. that were outside of church, okay. actually, at that time. You were finding a new affinity Yeah. Group you were getting connected with a different group of people. Yeah. There were other people too in terms of music as well during that time. And it was more than just alternative. Like being in Detroit, you have Motown all the time. I I still love Stevie Wonder. Amazing. Marvin Gaye. Oh my goodness. And how did you have money to go to all these? Because you went and saw a lot of shows. Not that you went and saw Stevie Wonder. I don't know if you did or not. No, no. But I knew the owner of one of the venues. And I got in free. That helps add to your collection. Yeah. So do you have a big stack of uh, ticket stubs? Have you held on to any of those? You're a collector. Yeah. I don't have a big stack because ticket stubs aren't really a thing anymore. Yeah, I know. But I do have, whenever I get one, I do. You hang on to it? Yeah. I probably have somewhere around like 20 to 30. Okay. But I've been to like over 150 shows probably, yeah. if I had to guess. That's bonkers. What do you mean if you had to guess? Don't you have them all like written? You don't have a list? You don't have an Excel spreadsheet of all the shows you've been to? Again, I'm a little bit, I don't know if disappointed is the right word. I'm actually just a little bit surprised. 
I am too. <laughs> you have to do that. All right. So you had this coming of age, really, kind of with with music. Yeah. While you were in Detroit, is at least when it started, is like the yeah. world opened up to you. In so many ways, not just within music yeah. or faith. It was just all around. Yeah. But it sounds to me like the music was the thing that sort of paralleled all of it. Yeah. And there were there were connections in there going kind of challenging your faith, challenging your ideas about life and that sort of thing and freedoms and everything like that. And then you moved to Grand Rapids. Yeah. Tell us about that experience and how that changed. So what was going on in the church that I was a part of, like I needed to make changes, but I didn't want to move back to Fort Wayne either. Okay. So I was going to Wayne State at the time. Yeah, that was my next question is, were you in school? Through yeah. This? I had some issues with the program that I was a part of. Initially, I was a geography major, no surprise, but it just wasn't good, frankly. And I needed to make changes with that as well. And part of it too is I visited Mars Hill Church okay. here in Grand Rapids. Yep. So one of the things that helped me realize this is where I was supposed to be was realizing people weren't at that church because of Rob. Okay. Like, so I visited one time where a guest speaker came and there was the same amount of people. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And I just like, yeah, this is, this is cool. You had a lot of young people, you had a lot of older people. And typically I think within churches, you either have only families, yep. only old people or only young only, people. Yep, yep. That's typically your demographics is one of those three only. And at Mars, it was all three. All of them. And I was just like. So you're living in Detroit. What in the world made you go <laughs> drive and check out Mars Hill? I was just so frustrated and I wanted something new and fresh. Okay. So you drove across the state to go to church. Yeah. So there was just a lot of things that helped. I was able to transfer to Grand Valley and just being able to make those changes was I think a necessary thing that 2011 Kyle would do every time. Yeah. Every time it wasn't easy by any means. I had a lot of really good friends, both in and out of the church that I was a part of and yeah, but changes needed to be made. So made the move to, to Grand Rapids. And then you hit the music scene. I'm guessing you didn't stop going to shows no. and that sort of thing. So tell no. us about your experience in Grand Rapids and going to Grand Valley. And You know, besides dedicating my time to my classes, spending time with friends, it was listening to music and going to shows. And I just shows all the time. I go back and visit Detroit or, you know, go, go to show while you're there. Yeah. And enjoying the live experience. Yeah. Any of them that stick time. out? Any venues in Grand Rapids that stick out for you? This is the the biggest frustration with Grand Rapids is I don't like any of the venues. <laughs> but my favorite venues have been in Detroit. So like the Magic Stick, the Majestic, St. Andrews is my St. favorite. St. Andrews is up there for me. Dude, that just the sound. Yeah. It's shaped it's built Perfect. to be, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Anywhere in there. I've seen Amberlynn several times there. Mute Math, a band called Foles, which yep. that was awesome. So good. They're like a English 
prog rock type of band. Okay. Not like Pink Floyd prog rock. Okay. It's progressive for right now. I gotcha. I guess is what you, you could yeah. say. So I didn't get to Detroit until like seven o'clock after the school day. And so I got there late so much so that like the place was packed all the way past the, the soundboard and just super frustrated and disappointed that I was in the back. Yeah. So most of the show trying to enjoy it as best as I could. And we get to the encore. One of the things that St. Andrews has now is they blocked off the right side for equipment and a handicap section. Okay. I was right up along the guardrail for the handicap section. And this guy, he's like 70 years old, climbs over this guardrail. And so like me and another guy are like helping him get down. I'm thinking he just, he wanted to go to the bathroom. Right. Or like go to the bar and grab a drink. Yeah. He goes right back up the guardrail. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he says, I want to crowd surf. <laughs> 70 year old dude so this like younger guy and i were like all right all right let's do it so we charge to the front with the 70 year old guy holding him and we get to like a good spot to let him and we let the people in front like he wants to crowd surf yeah all right we let him go and man he had the biggest smile yeah like just absolutely loved it people were awesome about it yeah Foles is not like a screamo hardcore band by right. any means, but you so it energized the band too. Yeah. But so you see like nobody crowd surfed this whole time. Right. And you see like five security people come up ready to grab him. Yeah. The security guards don't love it. The crowd and the band love it. So awesome. And then I'm in the mosh pit because I moved up. Yeah. I just went all out for two songs and <laughs> absolutely loved it. It was so awesome. Uh, so is current Kyle, like, would you be cool sitting sort of towards the back listening to a show or do you still want to be in the mosh pit? Oh, I still want to be in the mosh pit. You still want to go in there and risk catching an elbow to your nose. Yeah. <laughs> bleeding it out for the whole show. <laughs> yeah. There's just something about a live experience to me. It's hard to describe, right? But it's so energizing. Yeah. There's some freedom in it. Yeah. Yeah. I love to dance too. And I love to just belt out yep. while singing. And sometimes you just can't do that in, in the polite seats. Yeah. You got to do that down in the, in the pit. Yeah. When it's, everybody's doing that, there's more energy. Yeah. I, I just, I love the ability to let go and just to experience that. Yeah. It's one of my favorite feelings. There's just, it's kind of like a rush or like a, maybe even like a, a drug. A little bit of a high. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard you talk a lot about Arcade Fire. Can you talk about the significance of Arcade Fire? I remember you going to a show at one point, and I think I remember talking to you about a show that you had been to. Well, I know I've seen them twice, and they are, they're even a different type of alternative, even using odd instruments okay. within their music. And very eclectic. Okay. And they've transformed a ton too. Reflector was like a, you would think of it as like a Caribbean, David Bowie, electronic, like Daft Punk even. Okay. Side to things. Yeah. 
it's a really bizarre. That was the strangest combination of artists yeah. I've ever heard before. Yeah. So, the, I mean, they've, they've changed a ton too. And yeah. then you, they've even had like ABBA type songs. So I can see where that would fit into this entire, like you were in exploration mode. Yeah. When you first got to Grand Rapids, especially. Yeah. I was just like embracing whatever new music I could get my hands on. I was just all out. So yeah. in that too, I was really starting to open up with Mumford and Sons and, and Kings of Leon. I got it into 1975, which man. Tell me about 1975. Man. So they're from England. Okay. Most of their well-known stuff is like a modern take on 80s rock. And I really gelled with some of that stuff that they were doing. It's such a 80s like pop rock type of song that I yeah. just I love it. And I've seen them five times and it just incredible shows each time sweet it was branching out into a lot of different things like even radiohead i was really starting to get into and the strokes Mm -hmm. so more of that 90s and early aughts kind of stuff that was just blowing my mind yeah so did you have a you moved to grand rapids you made the move you switched to to grand valley did you have a core of people over here who you were going through this process with? Was that, were you, I mean, you mentioned Mars Hill and making that connection. Was this Kyle independent in your music journey? Did you have people along the way with you who were influencing you? I think for the most part, it was pretty independent. Okay. Because the friends I had, like that friend group that you know of, that was pretty much not alternative music. I mean, there'd be some like, you know, I had some friends that like the killers yeah. or like I had a friend, some of the more popular bands. Yeah. Were... I had a friend that was really into Kings of Leon. So, I mean, there were some, mm-hmm. you know, connections with some of those artists like Mumford and Sons too. For the most part, it was me actively just seeking out new music. Yeah. Which um, is an introvert. I know you and I have talked a fair amount about personality type stuff, introversion, extroversion. And that's a very introverted, emotional thing to go through, listening, like diving into all that kind of music. I mean, you, you're very analytic in the way that you listen to music too, or the way that you collect it, but music is pretty inherently emotional. It sounds to me like you were processing a lot of that. The, just the musical exploration was in an internal introverted sort of process for you. Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny that you mentioned emotions because I think that was what it was. I was now starting to date and doing other, like going through struggles, not just within dating, but just life. Yeah. So those songs were allowing me to feel. Yeah. Some, and I think for me, like what's hard is, and I think as INFJs, this might be the case. Sometimes it's hard to like come to words of what we're feeling Yeah. in terms of our emotions. So now even you two songs, that were about relationships or really tragic, difficult, heavy lyrics Mm -hmm. I'm connecting with. Yeah. Whereas before I wasn't. So like, for example, U2's one, I I think it's about a a divorce personally, but it has some emotional lyrics to it. Yeah. And you resonate with that. Like the music was almost your music, your emotional outlet, your way of finding some of, yeah. or, Or even giving yourself the permission to feel things that you never had, you hadn't before. It's interesting because that song 
prior to dealing with a breakup, it didn't mean anything yeah. to me yeah, with, no in that regard. Interesting. So we, Kyle and I had a trip together to go see our good friends, Paul and Megan, and to just get away from life a little bit. On that trip, we listened to obviously a lot of Dave Matthews, but Kyle also forced me to listen to a lot of you two on the way home on that trip. I think we listened to most of it, yeah. all of uh, the discography. Yeah. You want to talk about that trip a little bit? Well, I think because we got to see Dave four times, it really was such an awesome trip. I mean, we, we've talked about this before on your episode. Yeah. It was an amazing experience. And I think it kind of like gave me ideas to continue doing that even. Yeah. So I did five nights of U2 in Chicago the following year. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have financially. Think, think about all the money you saved on the Dave trip and then you just spent all the yeah. money on, on the other one. <laughs> See, I can help you justify it. And I will say, I have to, this is a major nod to Kyle because, and this is his episode, but this is part of Kyle's influence on me has also been drawing me back into my love of music, my love of concerts more time than one. Kyle has gotten me back into a band that I, I hadn't listened to for a while or whatever. He may listen to a new band in a new way. And that trip for me and Kyle being on it was huge for drawing me back into going to shows and that yeah. sort of thing coming out of a, a kind of dark place for myself too. So yeah. props to Kyle for that. Definitely. I still want to do those kind of things. Yeah. I was still in college when that happened. So I had some flexibility. Yeah. Whereas now it gets harder. That's not as easy. How much did COVID disrupt for somebody who goes to a show every third night? <laughs> wasn't um, that, spends it's not all that of their much. money on going to concerts. How much did having venues potentially shutting down or actually shutting down affect you? I would say probably to a large degree. I mean, it's it's been hard. Anthony Cletus of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, he talks about how it's the place to exercise the pain out of your body. Like a live show allows that. So talk about like this really shitty situation going on in the world and I can't let out your primary way. Of, yeah. 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 I'm excited to get back into that. It's definitely been hard to not experience that, but I, I get it prior to vaccination. Like I get it why that couldn't happen and why that wasn't best. Yeah. And I'm willing to take a, that away in order for the betterment of other people. Yeah. You're an album guy. And you're a band guy, not yeah. necessarily just like a once-off song. How do you feel about what digital music has done? Bands would release a single when you know when it was CDs and prior to that. They would release a single to radio. And then a few weeks later, they would put it, the entire album out. It was like a teaser. But you knew you were getting the whole album. And a lot of bands now will just pump out once-off songs just repeatedly. Yeah. And hoping to have one song be that sort of one hit wonder that launches them. Give me your thoughts on that and what digital music has done to your love of albums and some of your bands and the way that they operate. Well, I think initially those lower indie bands were the ones that jumped on it first because here's an opportunity for us to get our music out. We don't have to advertise as much. We don't have to put a lot of effort in on the road, but like anything kind of got 
co-opted by capitalism. Right. So now it's just a matter of like stream, 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 streams rather than just getting your music out. Right. So I would say that's one frustration. And like you said, the, I mean, the album is no longer relevant. Right. Like a piece of work that's whole. Intended to be listened to in a particular order. Yeah. And yeah. I love that. Inten- I love the intentionality of like a track list, yeah. for example. I think that's really important. Yeah. But there's some of the art that's been lost. It's frustrating to see a piece of work that an, a band spends two years on writing, creating, playing, and to see it become irrelevant four months later after it's released. Right. Because of how fast the trends are yeah. right now. Right. I mean, you can put so much time and effort, like two years or however long into an album, and within three months, your fan base isn't listening to it anymore. Because they've had a they, something else. other things thrown in their face yeah. to listen to. And so and it has nothing to do with the quality of the record. Yeah. That's just the way people consume music right so now. The way we consume everything. Yeah. Yeah. Can but you- at the same time, because of how many songs and artists are on Spotify or Apple, you're seeing young kids or just people in general listening to all sorts of music rather than a specific genre, for right. example. Right. Maybe that, you know, because it used to be you listened to whatever radio station and that was your lane. Yep. But now. If you want to dip your toe into a different genre or a new artist or something like that, you just have to buy an album or you could waste 75% of that money on buying a single that has three songs on it or something like that. So I was going to go there with you a little bit because you've got, you mentioned a little bit getting into some hip hop, Kendrick Lamar. Beastie Boys, obviously, yeah, is in there. And that's exactly where I was going to go with that, is I don't know if you necessarily have some of those opportunities without the digital music. Yeah. So talk about those a little bit. Well, I think... Like, how'd you get into Kendrick Lamar? Well, I would say it all starts with Chuck D. Okay. I wasn't into hip-hop, and probably because I had some implicit bias, frankly. He came and spoke at Grand Valley on MLK Day, when I was going to school there and I just loved what he had to say about hip hop. And this is going back to movies fight. The power was on the movie, do the right thing, which was a Spike Lee joint. And which is an amazing, amazing movie that I think speaks to the black lives matter movement right now. And just, wow, that was made in 1989 and it's still relevant to today. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Exactly. So that was like a starting point with hip hop. So hearing whether it was a Jay-Z talking about his life or NWA and public enemy, I had this ability to be open to Kendrick Lamar with a song called All Right. I really enjoyed it. What I love too with Kendrick is, especially with that To Pimp a Butterfly album, there's jazz Okay. As well in there. And so he's taking on prior black music experiences and putting hip hop to it. Right. And I thought that was awesome to listen to at that time. So that's cool. Yeah. You know, I had part of it too is like being a coach in a a school with 
a significant black population where that's what they want to listen to. Right. And so Kendrick is like a really, that was huge for a lot of some of my wrestlers and, and other artists too. So J Cole juice world okay. is another one. Yeah. All right. So tell me about Ireland trip of a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. So I made the switch to be a, a teacher from my geography major. So I had to do student teaching going back to the, you know, wanting to explore and wanting to travel. I came across a, a program through Grand Valley that allowed you to student teach abroad. And I got to choose from a list of like 30 different locations around the world. And Ireland was my number one choice. This was something I really wanted to do. And yeah, Ireland came about. So with the U2, I mean, that was like a primary uh, reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like I want to go to New Zealand because I want to go to the Lord of the Rings yeah. building you know, sets and that sort of thing. So yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of things to do, you know, tourist wise as well. If you don't just get, find yourself stuck in a bar drinking. Yeah. Place. They spoke English primarily. I just felt like it'd be a fairly easy transition sure. to make. So yeah, that's how that happened. <laughs> so while you were in Ireland, you get to go see a show or something, yeah, didn't uh, you? Like what, what was that all about? I got to see you two in Dublin. Which is ridiculous, dude. I remember I had to wake up at like two or three in the morning to buy tickets so that I could do that. Which is ridiculous. Like you can't, yeah. Cause like, they're, you know, they're five hours ahead of us. Okay. And so like tickets went on sale at like eight o'clock local time. So you bought tickets for that before you went over there. Yes. But that was because it was, because it was in advance. Yeah. Okay. Talk about an, an amazing show. I, so one of the things is just bound to come up. I went through a breakup through that and okay. just a lot of different emotions leaving to Ireland Yep. because I'm like, I'm super excited to go, but I'm also dealing with a breakup and leaving family and friends. Right. And one of the things I've, I've learned since then too, was it wasn't just like a breakup, but like I was going to come back to having to find a job. Maybe I'm going to live in a different location. Yeah. So it wasn't just like dealing with a breakup. It was like, I could have a whole new life right. when I come back. Yeah. Where are you even going to land? At yeah. That point? Like, are you coming back to the Grand Rapids area? Yeah. Like where, where are you going? So it was difficult because of the uncertainty of it all. And I saw another show too, a band called the album leaf they're like post rock. So it's just straight up instrumental mm -hmm. in Cork where I lived and I cried. <laughs> it was just such an emotional experience to encounter that beautiful music right. at a, I think a really pivotal time. And what's interesting too, is like I had, just amazing support from my parents during that. Okay. And I cried in the U2 show three different times. One for like, it was a breakup song. Really? <laughs> Another one was, so Bono's mom actually died when he was a teenager. Okay. And so there's a song about his mom. I was crying because of just like how helpful and supportive my parents had been. Yeah. And, and especially coming back around to get having that support in that moment. Yeah. And then I don't know if you remember 
the attacks in Paris had just happened. Yep. I was in Ireland when that took place. And so like a week later, I'm seeing you too. And there were some heavy emotional songs yeah. dealing with like social justice and just that tragedy. Right. That was an emotional I cried as well. I, and I, I knew that you were going through some stuff with that, but you don't, you never know all of it. Yeah. And you couple that with being, you're over there by yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right. Really an experience of a lifetime being able to see you two in Dublin. Yeah. Just while you're there. <laughs> like what are the chances? But yeah, that's, that's a heavy experience. I feel like the environment plays a role too mm-hmm. with songs that you listen to. So I was in Ireland and it, it rained every day. It sucked. It's dreary. It's gray every day. Yeah. I remember after school and the clouds were clearing Mm -hmm. and it was like the first time you could see the sun and it'd been like, I had been living in Ireland for a month and I hadn't seen the sun come out. I'm telling you the most amazing colors I've ever seen in a sunset. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with after the storm Mumford and sons. Yeah. yeah. I put that on and I'm like, I'm on the bus just crying. Soaking your shirt. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's huge though, dude. It was like a very healing moment. Yeah. And what's interesting is like from after that moment with the YouTube concert as well just this immense change in my attitude in my perspectives on things and i had an absolute blast for the next five weeks yeah it's just it's just like evidence that like when you're going through crap like don't try to go around it just go through it and sometimes life forces you to just go through it and it sounds like that's what you like you said even with just like the clouds and rain in ireland you're like man i could have gone to cancun or something and oh, got dude. on a beach and pretended that everything was fine, but it kind of forced you to go through the storm a little bit. But then I had like these cool moments too of teaching about Mandela and connecting it with several songs about him mm-hmm. from all different bands mm-hmm. and artists. And so I got to like show all the kids like various different songs that were written about apartheid or Mandela. Yeah. And they loved it. I remember one kid, he'd be like, can you play that one song again? Yeah. It's this like song from the eighties. Right. That he was loving. That's awesome. Yeah. What else do you have going on now? We've been through most of your history. There's a lot more in there, but (laughs) we've been through a lot of it. So where is 32 year old Kyle with his musical interests? Where do you see yourself? going in the future are you still going to be going to concerts every weekend i hope so for the rest of your life i hope so i hope i'm i'm still enjoying concerts i might not be in the ga pit as much right but i love the concert experience what's interesting is i still have this like desire to find new music even as a 32 year old yeah there's still new music that i come across that i i still enjoy keep those neural networks ever evolving is one thing that you've done so what are you listening to now a lot of soul okay like a new soul like it's not al green type soul sure this would be like artists like devin gilfinian her leon bridges duran jones and indications 
Arlo Parks, which she just dropped an amazing album earlier in the year. Uh, she is so good. And, and I really wish more people knew about her. I, I love the urgency and the passion in their songs for some reason lately. Yeah. So, I mean, then there's like new killers music, new Coldplay music that has come out in the last. So you're sticking with your old, with yeah. your old go-tos. Yeah. Some of those still stick out. You keep talking about you too. Coldplay killers. Yeah. But there's new stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> Love it, man. Yeah. I could sit here and listen to you talk about either history and social studies type stuff or music all, all, all day. day long. We'll, we'll just keep recording for another couple hours. <laughs> Grab some more drinks. Tell us bottom line. Why do you listen to music? I think music has the ability to help us feel and understand our emotions. And I feel like it's helped me understand myself. I think we have this thing as INFJs where it's hard to understand why we're built the way we are. Mm -hmm. It's perplexing. It's difficult to explain and make sense of. But I feel like kind of relating back again to the early audio adrenaline, like I feel like I know I'm not alone. Somebody else made this and I can connect with it and allows those like emotions to be processed in a hopefully a healthy way. Yeah. But it's also something to tell my story, your story, everyone's story. And it's something you can experience live that puts a whole new meaning to it. I think gives it life. Yeah. A different life. Absolutely. There's nothing quite like it. Yeah. I think, even like the foundation of understanding how it's vibrations. So at the micro level, right. What you were talking about is resonance. Yeah. It's like the, the ultimate in a music analogy, right? When you resonate with music, it pulls at your heartstrings, right? And draws those emotions out of you that were so hard to get out of you and taps you into other people's emotions too. You mentioned the social justice thing. That's the other thing that's been a theme for you throughout all of it is that is you tapping into other people's dilemmas. Yeah. I mean, even like with this podcast and and just having everyday conversations with people, it's not necessarily a conversation starter, but it's a way to get to know somebody Mm -hmm. too. And you can have deep conversations with those people. Right. I feel like it's also helped me build up resilience and determination and a way to see that the whole thing is rigged in my favor for growth. Dude. So let's sit down and chew on that one. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to do this with you. Thanks, man. Love you. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. Each person interviewed has created a playlist of the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice.
Join us next time on Soundtrack.